Good morning, and welcome to Crossview Church's weekly worship service online. I'm Jen Oswald, Director of Outreach and Care, and I just wanted to share a couple of quick announcements with you before we get started. We have made some resources available throughout the week that we just want to be sure everyone is aware of. You can find more information about these resources as well as links and how to get signed up on our website or on your church center app. So um, check those out if you're interested in any of these. But on Monday, starting this Monday, our Crossview Women's Ministry is starting a Bible study on the Gospel of Luke. If you would like to take part in that, they would love to have you. That's starting this Monday. And again, that's a Facebook group. So you can join and take part in that no matter where you're at. Um, we also have a Facebook group called Weekly Wellness Check-In, and that's a group that I lead. And each Monday there's new content uploaded, um, usually a video teaching, some resources, and just a, a quick little message. And then we interact as a group throughout the week. So if you're finding that you could use some support, encouragement, and accountability, and just some um, practical tips that you can put into place as we navigate the situation, we would love to have you join that group as well. Tuesdays, we've decided as a church to make Tuesdays our day of prayer and fasting, and we uh, will be doing that again this week. So if you would like some basic instructions and some guidelines on prayer and fasting, that's available on our website. And every Tuesday night at 7 p.m., we will do a Facebook Live prayer meeting. So we would love to have you join us and um, as a church, just come together and pray for our leaders and our, the situation we're in and those of us in our city and our families and our friends. And it's just a great way to connect as a church body and be the church by bringing the needs of the people to the Lord. So join us on Tuesday night at seven for that. Wednesdays, um, our Apex ministry is switching gears a little bit. Kale is not going to be doing a video teaching, but rather a Zoom call for students. So if you are in the Apex ministry, students hop on that Zoom call from 6.30 to 7.30 and connect with um, other students as well as Kale and your small group leaders. They would love to see you there. Finally, on Thursdays, we are bringing back the staff devotional. So a different staff member will be creating just a quick devotional of encouragement to share with you on Thursdays. So you can look for that to be posted as well. We hope that you enjoy those. And we, we as always, we would much prefer that this was being done in person. But um, until that's possible, we hope you enjoy the videos that, and resources that we're bringing to you. Now get comfortable, um, kick back, and we look forward to worshiping and hearing the message this morning. God bless. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Thank you for joining us this morning. We're so glad that you're here once again in our home. Um, we're excited to worship with you this morning. Um, so today, Pastor Dan is going to be talking about building our lives on the firm, unchanging foundation that is Jesus and his word. Um, so we're going to start off in worship, praising God for who he is. So let's sing.
you are holy, God, and there is no one like you, and that we can put our trust in you, God, because you are unchanging even when everything around us may be changing, God. Um, you are our only certainty, and we can put our hope and trust in you. Uh, God, thank you that we are still able to gather in this way together and have this community and church family. Um, God, and I just pray that you would teach us and speak to us what you have for us to hear today through Pastor Dan. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hello and welcome to Crossview Church's Sunday morning worship service. We're glad you're joining us. And I want to begin by asking some questions about what your life has been like during this time of sheltering at home. First of all, how many of you during this time have felt stressed out? Raise your hand. Just wherever you are, raise your hand. All right. Uh, how many of you during this time have felt a little bit anxious about things that are going on and things that you're hearing? Raise your hand. All right. How many of you during this time have found some sort of silver lining in all this? Uh, maybe a small one even, but yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and the final question I have is how many of you during this time have been bored? Raise your hand. Oh man, you should have saw the camera shook on that one. Ryan, you may have to go back and readjust because uh, we had major response on that question. You know, I think it's interesting that when this thing started, there were many th people talking about what am I going to do to redeem my time? And I think we do have moments of boredom during this uh, sheltered home order. But I think there's also times where, as I talked to a few people that, um, well, not probably more than a few, that um, we feel in some ways we're busier now than we were before when we factor in helping kids with school, uh, working remotely from home, maintaining a household. So uh, I think the time, whether we go from boredom to busyness shifts through this time, and maybe you've experienced that. And when I start looking at the whole picture, uh, the question that comes to my mind as we find ourselves uh, in the place that we're in is how do we use this time to get closer to Jesus? How do we use this time to get closer to Jesus? I think that'd be a great goal. And so uh, I'm looking today at Christianity in a pandemic. How do we uh, use this time to draw closer to Jesus? And the way I want to do this uh, today is I want to look at one of my heroes in church history. Uh, if you've attended Crossview Church for some time, you know that uh, this particular figure in church history is a person that I gravitate towards, I read a lot about, and has, he has had an impact on my life. Uh, and his name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer lived uh, in Germany. That's where he was born in February 4th of 1906. And he died April 9th, 1945. He was executed because he lived during the Nazi regime. Uh, in fact, Thursday before Good Friday, we celebrated the, um, or remembered, I should say, the 75th year anniversary of his uh, execution. But I want to look at this uh, person in church history. I, if you around Crossview at any amount of time, you know that typically I like to take at least one sermon a year and look at a um, biographical sketch of a person's life in church history to see what we can learn. And so I'm going to share a little bit about his life. And then I'm going to talk about two things that we can learn that I think Dietrich Bonhoeffer would teach us on how to get closer to Jesus during this pandemic. And so that's what I want to spend our time doing today. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, I said, was born in Germany. He was a pastor, a theologian, a spy, and a martyr. 
and he um, came into the ministry as Hitler was coming into power. In fact, one of the first uh, messages he gave uh, in a public addressed uh, radio program, there's a radio program in Berlin that would bring pastors in and they give an address. Uh, one of the first sermons Dietrich Bonhoeffer gave, uh, he spoke out against uh, the ideas that Hitler was trying to propagate uh, to tear down the Jewish people. And he wasn't even through his talk uh, before Gestapo showed up and removed the talk from the airwaves. So he was uh, plunged into ministry in a very, very vital and volatile time in Germany. Uh, he became a church leader during that time. Uh, he was considered to be a genius. He came from a very large family, a very well-to-do family. Um, but he was, interestingly enough, the type of guy who, whether he was talking to somebody who was very wealthy and prominent or somebody who was um, less fortunate and uh, maybe uh, economically challenged, he always communicated Christ to them. He always came off humbly. He always came off loving. Uh, and so that was a trait that he had. His father was the top psychiatrist in the country at the time. Uh, he had a very large family and they had a conservatory in their house and the kids would actually write musicals for family holidays. So that's the kind of environment he grew up in. He declared at 13, he was going to be a pastor. And at that time that shocked his whole entire family. The church was somewhat irrelevant during that time. In fact, his older brother said, why why would you want to do that and be part of something so, like the church? The church is so weak. And he said, well, if that's the case, then I will reform it. As a 13-year-old, that was the declaration he made. He went on to get trained and he received his PhD, his doctorate degree at the age of 21, which is pretty incredible. And the dissertation he wrote to get his doctorate, um, a very, very famous and well-known theologian named Karl Barth looked at it and said it was a theological miracle. That's how powerful and how much insight uh, God gifted him with. So uh, he uh, spent some time in the United States in the 1930s. He was invited to teach at Union Seminary uh, and um, be a guest lecturer as well as take some classes uh, in Union Seminary in New York. So he came to the United States in 1930. He found that the theology that was taught there uh, was very lacking. Uh, but one of the things that was powerful for him is he found a church in Harlem called uh, Abyssinian Baptist Church. And he saw in that African-American church, the gospel lived out in a very difficult cultural situation. And it had a huge impact on his life. And he'd often reflect back to that time uh, being in that church in Harlem. He also was a man of adventure. Uh, he and three of his friends found a 1924 Oldsmobile in 1930, and they drove uh, all the way from New York to Mexico City and then back. And they just kept, uh, they would sleep underneath the stars, pull over and just sleep out in the open air uh, while they made this trip. And so he kind of had a, um, a flair for adventure. Um, and when his time ended, um, it, from being in the United States, he went back to Germany uh, and he came in at a time where things were getting really, really difficult. Um, he, the Lutheran church in Germany kind of gave way and compromised and submitted to the Nazi party. The majority of the pastors um, in Germany uh, came under control of the Nazi regime. There were a few, uh, some that resisted, but most of those were, um, the consequences for that was very harsh. So many of those would compromise and move over. Uh, and in 1939, 
he was asked to come back to the United States. There's a group of friends who said they saw what was happening in Germany. Uh, they feared for their friend Dietrich's life. And so they set up a uh, position that he could have at Union Seminary. Uh, it was a very nice deal. And they said, why don't you come back to New York and you could teach, you could establish your theological academia career. And then uh, when things in Germany settle down, you can go back. Uh, and it was the, a dream opportunity for anybody who was living in Berlin in the time. And so Dietrich Bonhoeffer took it and he said that the minute he arrived uh, in New York. In fact, he said the minute his foot stepped on U.S. soil, he knew he made a huge mistake in coming to the United States. And the reason he felt like he made a mistake is because he said, when this whole thing in Germany is over, what the German Christians are going to have to go through is going to be so bad that someone's going to have to be there to help put the church together. And he felt like he could not help put that church together if he didn't endure what the other German Christians did. And so uh, much to his friend's um, disappointment, he set up a trip back to Germany. Uh, it wasn't that easy. It took some time, but he ended up getting on the last boat that was moving from New York to Germany. And so he traveled back. And uh, when he got back, he started an underground seminary in the northern part of Germany called uh, Finkenwald. And he was uh, doing this underground because the things he was teaching about scripture and the gospel and the value of human life was not regarded um, by what was happening in the Nazi government at the time. And he could be uh, put in prison and worse if caught teaching what he was teaching. And so they were in this remote place up north teaching um, pastors, future pastors, how to be pastors during a really difficult time. He wrote a book there called Life Together uh, that talked about how to live in Christian community. It's still a popular book today uh, that I've been reading during this uh, portions of it during this uh, sheltered home order and found it really helpful. But one of the reasons I think he can speak to us during this time is he looked at under this pressure, under the resistance of this difficult time, how can Christians grow closer to Jesus? What are the elements necessary for Christians to grow closer to Jesus? While he was teaching in the seminary, one of the people who were, was funding the seminary had a daughter named Maria and he uh, fell in love with her. They both fell in love and they were engaged in January of 1943. Uh, and then on April 5th of 1943, he was arrested. And the charges that he was arrested with is that he helped uh, uh, assist um, four or five people escape who were Jewish, get out of Germany so they can get to safety. Uh, he actually did this with quite a few people, but this particular charge was for this one incident where he did this and he was caught. And so they arrested him for doing this. He uh, was imprisoned during that time. He spent time in two different prisons. Um, and during that time in prison, he wrote a book called um, Letters from Prison. Uh, it was an incredible, uh, difficult time. He writes about how there would be moments where the war was really heating up and Berlin was being bombed and he was in this cell uh, in Berlin uh, while the bombing was taking place. There's lots of fear. There was lots of uh, worry. He faced death kind of head on. And he wrote significant things about the Christian life during that time. One and a half years later, after he was in prison, he was sent to uh, concentration camps, two of them, one called Buchenwald in, outside of Berlin and another one called Flossenburg. 
Um, and as he was, uh, the reason he was sent to the concentration camps is he also participated in a plot to try to assassinate Hitler. And when the plot failed, uh, Hitler's order was to uh, execute everybody who was involved. And so Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, was sent to the um, concentration camp with the intention of his execution. Interestingly enough, there's a lot of writings that he wrote where he really wrestled with, at what point as a Christian do you take out a human being who is killing millions of people? At what point do you do that? Because it wasn't an easy decision for him. Um, many people think it came pretty quickly, but he really wrestled with Romans 13, where it says God sets up authority. Uh, God establishes rulers and governments. And our call as a Christian uh, first is to obey that. We're supposed to support that. And Christianity can get messy under certain times. And he really wrestled and thought through and weighed and looked at scripture and prayed and thought, how, and, uh, how do I participate and what do I do in this situation? It's not easy. And so many people judge and pick, but I think we have to be very humble and very careful since we weren't in that time to really and just understand that that was a really difficult time. So he was sent to Flossenburg um, concentration camp where he was arrested. And on April 9th, 1945, he was executed by hanging. And oddly enough, um, he was uh, only 39 years old at that time. And 21 days after he was executed, Adolf Hitler committed suicide in his bunker. And two days after that, the Allied forces freed the concentration camp of Flossenburg. So he was executed about 23 days um, before the uh, Flossenburg concentration, uh, concentration camp was uh, liberated. I had an amazing privilege to go to Germany and do a tour, study tour of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's life and to see the different sites. And uh, I remember going to Flossenburg and it was uh, just one of the most sobering experiences of my life. And I, as some of you have traveled to Germany and Poland and other places and have visited um, historic sites of the concentration camps and you'd agree with that. And I remember being in the middle, they, they left a lot of it the way it was so people would remember. And I remember being in the middle of the concentration camp and looking up at one of the hills and seeing uh, a person who had a house and a, a yard there and they're working their garden. And I thought, you know, the, the dynamic of a safe, peaceful garden um, just uh, right next to a place where absolutely horrific things took place. And just trying to wrap my head around that was just a really um, difficult thing. But I remember going through uh, the concentration camp. They had a chapel there now that is uh, dedicated to Dietrich Bonhoeffer and those who've suffered. And this is kind of the front altar of the chapel. There's the cross. And then they have a picture of a person being whipped. And then a picture of a, a lady with her child trying to work uh, to try to depict uh, the suffering that took place uh, during that time. Uh, the, I saw the actual yard, the exact spot where Dietrich Bonhoeffer was executed. Uh, and the spot where he was executed has a plaque that uh, commemorates his name and the people who were with him. Uh, and one of the inscriptions is um, a verse from Timothy, 2 Timothy, that says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And so um, it was a powerful time to be there. There was a doctor at the concentration camp who said he'd never, ever seen a human being live their life so close to Jesus and such, and such submission to God as Dietrich Bonhoeffer. 
as he was going to the gallows for his execution, uh, one of the people who he was being executed with said, this is the end. And he said, for me, it's the beginning of life because he knew the hope of the resurrection. He knew that Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins and that if we give our life to him, we will spend for uh, eternity with him forever. And it wasn't just um, a uh, saying for Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He really, truly believed that. So who is this guy and why would it help us today to observe a guy who lived, who died 75 years ago and wrote about that time? How can this help us? Uh, that's what I want to look at. I want to, I believe Dietrich Bonhoeffer has something to share with us is the church in 2020 uh, living under a global pandemic because he knows how to have your heart grow closer to Jesus in a time when freedoms have been taken away from you. He knows how to have your heart grow closer to God when restrictions have been put in place that may not make the uh, environment ideal. And I think we can learn quite a bit from him in that. So there's two truths I want to look at um, from his life that's going to help us during this time. Two helpful truths. The first one is that true Christianity is earthly. True Christianity is earthly. And what I mean by this is uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer believed that Christians should be in the world, not of the world, not taking uh, our cues from the world, but be living in among people of the world and to the cross. He, he really felt like uh, Christianity is in the world to the cross, in the world, to the cross. I think he would love the name of our church, Crossview Church, because he really felt like we should be living in the world in view of the cross. Those are the two aspects of what Christianity is. He uh, did not really believe in the separation of sacred versus secular to take the Christian church and kind of separate themselves from the world. Um, and so we wouldn't taint the sacred parts of Christianity. He felt God would take care of those sacred things and the call to the Christian is to live among uh, the world that they live in and to rub shoulders with the people who may not know God. Uh, he was very strong on that idea. Uh, it was interesting enough while he was in a prison in Berlin and the bombs are going off, he wrote in his journal, there is no other time I would rather live in than this one. Can you imagine that? Being in a prison cell, bombs going off, knowing you're facing death. And he said, out of all the time to live in world history and world future, there is no other time I'd rather live than in this moment. Because it was in that place that he felt he could live out and display the glory of God. He could live out the love of Jesus Christ so that many people would know uh, who uh, Jesus was. During times of difficulty, and we've seen this during this time, many people have a spiritual interest to find out what is going on and what is this all about. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer felt like the church should capture those opportunities and should move all we can in terms of resources and time to help those who are seeking. I believe he would tell us to embrace this time, not just tolerate it, not just put up with it, not just keep wishing it was over but to embrace it and look at how we could be Jesus to others around us during this time. How could we be Jesus to others around us? He didn't believe in compartmentalizing our lives, like our Christian life, our work life, our family life, but the lines should be blurred and Jesus should rule over all. 
He really felt Christianity was something that took over a person's whole world and their whole life. One of his favorite verses was from Matthew chapter 5, 14 to 15. It says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven. You see, he really felt that was the essence of Christianity in a difficult time. So I want to ask you, what have you done or what do you think you could do during this time of pandemic that would let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven? What are some things, just think about it, that maybe you've done. I've heard so many great stories of how Crossview Church has become the church in action during this time. I know there's one family that has decided to help uh, local restaurants and to bless people they know. They're going to pick a family within Crossview Church or family they know in the community, and they're going to purchase a meal from a local uh, restaurant and drop it off on the doorstep of a family they know uh, to both bless Bless that family, but also help that local business to stay open during this time. What an amazing idea. I heard of a 12-year-old girl who has made it her mission to always play, at least for a little while, every day with her younger brothers and sisters so that they're not bored and they don't get sad. See, those are Jesus moments that can happen. I would be really curious at Crossview Church. We'd be really curious. We want to hear stories about what your, you or your family are doing to serve during this time. We love to collect these and put them together and display them somehow. We've talked about this in our staff meeting this week of how we can show stories or different things that are happening during this time where Crossview Church is being the church. They're living out the faith during this time. So please email me uh, anything you're doing. We may have to edit it and shorten it depending on what we do. We're not sure how we're going to communicate this yet, um, but we love to capture these stories somehow. So you can email me or anyone on our staff um, what you're doing. Doing, uh, what your family is doing, what you have done to help serve during this time, or even if you haven't done it, maybe an idea that you're thinking of doing. We love to capture some of those stories. I think Dietrich Bonhoeffer would remind us that uh, Christianity is earthly. No matter what the world is going through, that we, where we live, that we're a part of, we are here as agents of the gospel, carrying out the love of Jesus Christ. The second thing I think he would teach us that is helpful is that true Christianity is transforming. True Christianity is transforming. He did not believe in religious duty. Uh, He believed more in dynamic relationship. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote uh, quite a bit about what he would call cheap grace. And he was against this idea of cheap grace. And what is cheap grace? It was the idea that there was a focus more on religious externals versus gospel internals. In other words, uh, he was really against the idea that you would just show up to church, uh, attend a service, take communion, hear a sermon, worship, and then leave. And then that would be the extent of your Christian life. That you never took time on your own to really pray or read the scriptures, to learn about Jesus Christ. You never serve other people in the name of love. But it, it was the whole church experience was nothing more than a religious thing you did once a week where you went through and you barely participated, uh, but you just kind of went through it, got out of it, moved on with your life. He would call that cheap grace. And he was very much against it. And most 
of the Christians, the historians tell us, in Germany during the time of the Nazi regime when that all happened, uh, lived their Christian life that way. It was just this religious museum they went through. That's what church was. And they spent a little time there and then they left um, and they felt like they, they were Christians. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer was very much against that. He said that would be fake. He felt a relationship with Jesus should make a person flourish. And that's what he wanted to be about. He wanted Christianity to be more than just taking in teaching and sacraments. But real Christianity, he said, would be moving the content in the mind to the heart. Moving from the mind to the heart. And that brings up another question. How does head knowledge become heart knowledge. How does all the content we take as Christians transform our hearts and sink down? That's a question that uh, men and women throughout church history uh, have wrestled with from the time of the apostles to now 2000 years, hundreds of Christian leaders, church leaders have wrestled with that question of how does a soul grow closer to God? How do we take in this head knowledge and convert it to heart knowledge? And three of the common themes that come out as these uh, church leaders throughout the ages have studied this are solitude, having time alone uh, to really think through uh, how Christianity affects us, meditation, and I'm going to explain that one a little more uh, in detail a little in a little while because there's a lot of different uh, uses of that word and reflection, really thinking through what am I learning and how does that sink deep into my life? These three things war against our own natural inclinations as human beings because we want to do, we want to produce, we want to make things happen. And these practices slow us down. They cause us to stop and think. And we don't like that because sometimes that can be a scary place to stop and really think and reflect. But the truth is this. You're not going to grow spiritually unless you have times in your life where you slow down and you reflect and you meditate on the goodness of God and his word. We have to have those times where we kind of pull back and retreat, uh, even if it's for a few minutes to take in what we're learning and think about what we're learning. So it's not just learning all this new content. We can easily approach our spiritual life like we approach other pursuits like sports or academics and school and our professional lives where we, we want to learn all this content so that we become experts or that we master it. And we take that idea and apply it to Christianity. And in Christianity, there are no experts. That's a false way of looking at how we're supposed to grow spiritually. We don't grow spiritually like we grow in other places in our life. To grow spiritually means that we are formed into the life of Jesus. That's the goal. The goal is to be formed into the life of Jesus, to have the intentions of your heart, the thoughts of your mind shaped by Jesus in a process where you become more and more like him, where the gospel and the word of God comes into your life. Uh, it comes into your mind, it sinks to your heart, and it goes to those places of pain. It goes to those places of insecurity. It goes to those places of fear. It goes to those bad experiences that may cause you to behave the way you behave now, and it heals and it transforms. See, that is true Christianity. 
That is what Christianity is all about. It's a forming to the person of Jesus Christ. Not, I'm just going to take all this biblical knowledge so I have all the right answers to all the bad situations. Christian living and growing as a Christian is forming ourselves around the person of Jesus Christ. So we need good content. We need good Bible content that's good. I have no problem with um, good Christian materials and, and looking at the Bible and sermons and teachings. However, if all we do is have content, 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 and no time to really think about what we're learning and allow it to sink down into our hearts, into the real inner worlds we have that would touch those places of insecurity and fear and, and, um, and just even how, looking at how we would apply this in our daily life. If we never have the time where we break from the content or take the content and think through how we would really use this in our daily life, we will lack in terms of spiritual growth. That is not the goal of Christianity. We don't want to become content junkies where we just take in this teaching online and take in that teaching online and go to the worship service online and read this book, watch this video and just keep hammering our souls with all this content. But we never take time to pause and really think about what we're learning. For those of you who would say uh, when that happens, I just want to say this when I've seen this in over 20 years as a pastor, Sometimes people will start coming back to church and perhaps they went to church before and they left, but they start coming back and they take in all this content. They take in our worship services. They go and read a book and they go and they look at this video and they go to that conference and they go and they do these things and they just bombard themselves with content. And it's not long if they're not taking the time to really reflect on what they're learning and letting that sink in, they eventually just leave and say, I tried the Christian thing, I, and it just didn't deliver for me. When the truth is, what happened is they stiff-armed all that content and didn't let it penetrate their heart and their soul the way God wants it to. So as we grow in the Christian life, we need that time. There might be some of you out there who would say, you know, that's just not for me. I'm a doer, man. I'm, I go, I go, I go. It, to sit back and think through that, that's just not how I'm wired. And, and I can grow as a Christian in other ways. Um, just as your pastor who has promised to speak truthful things to you, I would just say to you, just being fully honest, that's arrogant. You are basically saying that what hundreds of Christian leaders over 2000 years who are absolutely brilliant, who've looked at this thing of how a human being can grow in Christ were wrong and you were right. And so there has to be a degree of humility in this. That yes, this is foreign to us. Yes, this is hard. Is it hard to sit alone in silence and think about how this Bible sinks into my heart and how can I apply it to my life? That's not always easy, but it's necessary for us to grow. And so we have to be very careful. And when we think about how we're going to give ourselves to growing during this time of pandemic. And it's kind of funny because we have to be careful of, um, making sure we're absorbing our, con- absorbing our content. But what did churches, including Crossview, do when the pandemic hit? Content, 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 right? We put out all this content and that's good. We needed to do that because we had no idea what was ahead. We had no idea what would happen. And we wanted to make sure that you had resources that would help you. Um, but today I'm going to ask you to do something different. Uh, I'm going to ask you that during this time of the pandemic, instead of giving you more content, in fact, we're not going to uh, give you a Bible reading plan for this week. I want you to take 
something else that I'm going to talk about in a minute and let you just think about that and have more of a reflection time, a time where you slow down, a time where you allow this all to sink in versus taking in more content. I don't want you to become a content junkie. I want this to sink into your heart. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was asked why, if you are all about earthly Christianity, if you're all about engaging a difficult time, why would you start a seminary out in the boonies way up north, uh, separated from everybody? And he said he was creating the moral backbone, uh, backbone necessary to stay on the right path while resisting the Nazi regime. He was creating this moral backbone that would be necessary in these pastors. He knew what these pastors were going to need to send them back into the areas of Germany to resist the Nazi regime. And to do that required to pull them out and build them up and send them back. That was the idea. And I think um, what we could say now during this time of pandemic is this could be a great time to develop a spiritual heart that would thrive in this pandemic. You know, the question that keeps me up at night during these days, the question that I am concerned about the most is this. I think about can a person who is part of the Crossview Church family grow in a time of pandemic if all they had was their Bible, the ability to pray, a journal, and I was gracious and kind enough to throw worship music in there for you. If that's all you had, if you, hadn't, if you didn't have these sermons, let's say the internet went down for a long period of time. If you didn't have sermons, you didn't have any other books, you didn't have any devotional books. If all you had was a Bible, the ability to pray and something to write with and to listen to some worship music, would you grow spiritually? You see, that's the goal that I have taken on in my mind during this time is that I want to create a church that is able to grow spiritually with just those basic essentials where you would become a self feeder, where you'd become a person that would know how to grow your Christian faith. If you didn't have outside content, not that outside content is bad. It's not, but I just want as a goal to have all the people part of Crossview church family to be able to be matured in their faith to the point where they can do that. And that's something that I think is going to uh, reflect how we approach ministry going forward after this time, after this time. So um, we want to get to a place where we allow the scripture to sink in. How do we do that? How do we do that? I want to tell you about one of those three that we looked at meditation. What is Christian meditation? There's a difference between Eastern meditation and Christian meditation. Eastern meditation philosophy talks about emptying your mind. Uh, let's empty our minds of all of the feelings of things we're thinking about, all of our thoughts, try to have as much free space as we can. Um, Christian meditation is different. It's not about emptying your mind. It's about filling your mind with scripture. That's how we do Christian meditation. And this is a powerful thing. King David, who was um, an amazing man in the Old Testament, he was a king. God said that David was a person who was after his own heart. This is what he said about meditating on the Bible. He said, I have more insight than all of my teachers because your decrees are my meditation. Your word is my meditation. And because I meditate on your word, I have more insight than all of my teachers. Do you really believe that by meditating on God's word, you can gain more insight than all the content that you're taking in? 
Do you believe you can, that can happen? God promises that can happen. This is what was written in his word. And so meditating on scripture is a powerful, powerful thing that I want to encourage you to do during this time of pandemic. Learn this skill to help you grow as a believer during this time and beyond. So how do you do it? I want to walk through how you do it. We're going to take a passage of scripture, Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30. And um, here's how you do it. All you do is you take some time and you pray. You ask God to help you to focus. You take a moment of solitude where you're just quiet before God. And then you read a verse two or three times and you think about that verse you let it sink in. What does that mean to you? What would God be saying through that verse to you personally? And it's good to have a, a notebook to jot some things down. I know sometimes when I do this, my mind starts to race and I think, oh, you're supposed to call that person. And what I do is I just write on the side of the margin, call so-and-so, and it's not out of my mind. I don't have to think about it anymore. And I can really focus on what I'm doing. So it helps you stay focused, but also to write things that come to your mind as you look at the scripture. And so you just read that passage two or three times, and then you go to the next one. And so I'm going to give you an example of this uh, right now so you know how to do it. So we look at this passage of scripture, uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. So we would come approach this and just start off by saying, uh, reading verse 28 a couple times. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, reading it slowly, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will will give you rest. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And then just write down, what are you learning from that verse? What does that verse say about God? What does that verse say about Jesus? What does that verse say about us? Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What comes to my mind when I think about Jesus being lowly and humble in heart and giving me rest for my soul in this time? What does rest in my soul mean right now? For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So you walk through that verse and you um, reflect on what it means. I am all for Bible reading plans. I love Bible reading plans, as you know. Um, but this is an amazing way. And I tell people, if you're in a Bible reading plan, and you hit a verse like this that you want to meditate on. You're better off stopping the plan and doing that and letting it sink in versus making sure all the boxes are checked for the day on your Bible reading plan. And maybe you have never even read the Bible on a regular basis. Sometimes just taking a verse and doing this and reading it a couple times and jotting some notes about it that come to your mind is a great way to start to engage with the Bible. So what I want to do this week, instead of giving you a Bible reading plan, I want all of us as Crossview Church to four times this week, carve out some space to sit in solitude and reflection to God and take these verses. What I'd like you to do now is if you can take out your phone, maybe pause the video and take a picture of this screen. Uh, you can, uh, you can uh, cut me out of the picture if you want. That'd probably be a good thing. Uh, but take a picture of the screen. So you have these verses and just uh, in four different times this week, take one of these verses 
and just re- do what I did there. Just read it a few times, write down uh, what uh, you believe that verse is saying about God, about you, um, about Christ, and about this time. What, let the Holy Spirit use his word to teach you of how to live out the Christian life during this time. So I'd encourage you to do that. Um, I want to close finally with this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He said, it takes trouble to shake us up and it takes trouble to drive us to prayer. It takes trouble. And we've seen our fair share of trouble these last few weeks, haven't we? And it takes to shake us up and it takes trouble to drive us to prayer. And prayer, remember, is not just talking to God. Prayer is being with God in his presence as well as talking to him and communicating with him. Bible meditation is a part of prayer. And so let these times of trouble drive you to that place where you can be with God and grow in him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for this time, though it's painful, though it's um, full of anxiety, though it's full of fear, though it's full of death, that you can use this in our lives. And we ask that you would do that. And Lord, we do pray and ask that you would continue to uh, stop this pandemic, that you would heal those who are suffering with this and other diseases. God, I think of many people in our congregation now who are suffering uh, and who are um, dealing with sickness and disease and pain. And I just ask that you would heal them and touch them right where they're at right now. Father, grab our hearts and let us not be swayed by the things that we may see or hear or feel, but let us be swayed by you and shaped and formed into your son, Jesus, through the power of your word. Will you meet us this week as we set out to do that? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Take care, everyone. We love you.
and living in your love caught up in the wonder of being in your presence of knowing such a friendship to be with you my god everything i am i throw into your hands i just want my life to ever be entwined with you and tethered to your heart i just want my soul to ever stand in all of you tethered to your heart oh tethered to your heart yeah oh tethered to your heart Take me deeper I wanna be where you are I wanna be where you are Draw me closer Take me deeper I wanna be where you are I wanna be where you are I just want Take this blessing with you upon your week. This is for you and your families. May the love of God the Father, may the grace and peace of Jesus Christ, and may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you as you spend time in his word. And may you be conformed fully into the image of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.